Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening everybody and welcome to another extra Forza Italian Football podcast as Dov discusses and this time Dov discusses Inter with Nima Tavalei of sempreinter.com. Ciao Nima, how are you doing? <laughs> Hi Dov, how are you? I'm good to be here. Good, well, well since the last team you were on, because you were on the first episode of this, we rebranded a little bit and actually decided on a title of Dov discusses with. <laughs> so this is, this is the second official episode of that. Uh, after we did on a jury one last week, so well, we I'm honoured. Uh, I'm honoured that our uh, <laughs> ranting to each other privately is now recorded for everyone to hear. <laughs> well, that's the best way. That's what everybody loves, really. So, <laughs> right, I, I was. I did my research, which obviously doesn't happen very often, but I thought I'd be conscientious <laughs> and do it. And uh, at the start of the, the the one we recorded before the Serie A season started, you actually were quite optimistic about Inter's chances in terms of how they were doing Serie A mm. this season. We're now mm. eight games in. And Inter are two points behind Napoli and one of only two teams that are unbeaten along with Napoli. So you, you've pretty much been proved right, I think. Well, that, that's, that's nice. That's always nice when that happens. There's, I'm, I'm, I'm very humble when I mean, I've, 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 I've been so wrong. Uh, I've, I've made the best uh, in terms of poor, uh, poor pronostic, uh, pronostication. I've, I, I made the worst one ever. I was... A couple of years ago, uh, I was on. Uh, they asked me on Inter Channel, as it was called then, if uh, if I thought uh, Inter were playing Roma, how I think the game would end, and I said Inter would win three 0 and Palacio would score two goals. It went exactly the other way around. Roma <laughs> won three 0 and Totti scored a brace. So <laughs> you go, you got to be humble in these situations. No, well, we, but, we could say you misspoke then, if you like. Yes, I misspoke <laughs> exactly. Even even the sun has spots and all that. No, but um, no, look. The reason why I was so optimistic is because for a team to, um, for a club and a team to prosper, you need to have stability. And I, I was sooning have been working so uh, 
meticulously towards this situation that happened in the summer. They knew exactly what they were doing and they were well prepared when things happened, such as the Chinese uh, government uh, putting a ban on non-essential investments in the summer. They were prepared. They had, a, they, had, they had everyone in place and they had the right people there and they, they managed to handle crises before when things, when, when there's been crises or, or something unexpected has happened at Inter. It, it's been like watching a demolition of an old hotel in Las Vegas. The whole place is just fallen apart. This, this isn't like that. Inter is, is very well prepared, very well organized, very well structured. And above all, you know, everyone was waiting for a big-name player, but Inter's big-name player was Luciano Spalletti. He, he, he's come in and completely changed the mentality uh, of the club, uh, the players. He's, 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 I would say that, honest to God, his man-to-man -man management and his ability to handle players uh, is the best I've, I've seen at Inter since um, Jose Mourinho. Uh, Mancini uh, did not at all uh, in any, you know, uh, have, have this kind of relationship and impact on, um, uh, on, on, uh, on with, with his players or this contact with his players at all, and especially not in the second, uh, his second uh, tour of duty at Inter. Uh, Spalletti has basically got everyone working in the same direction. Everyone listens to him. Everyone fights for him. Everyone believes in him. Uh, you know, when Mauro Icardi after the Roma game said that Spalletti creates a hunger in me that I've never felt before in my career, that just says it all, really. Um, and also, he's very organized um, in, in the sense that everyone seems to know what they got, what they need to do. Even if they make mistakes, there's no panic. Before, it's been the panic button. It mm -hmm. used to send shockwaves through the team when someone made a mistake. Now it's not like that. They pick themselves up again. They well, well them, that, that happened. The, that, that, well, that's exactly what happened at the derby. I mean, this, this is what we really want to get into: is that game. You, well, Inter were what went ahead. 2-0 ahead and Milan has got them well, I think I can't remember exactly how it, anyway but you were ahead Milan got it back to 2-2 but then obviously you got the goal at the end and I think every time uh, I think it was specifically out, yeah it was after the first Milan equaliser and you think oh my god here we go Milan are going to get back into this and then Inter went right up the park and scored whereas maybe before there would have been kind of alarm bells ringing like oh my god what's happened we were so dominant and they've got back into this whereas now it's almost the opposite and then the same thing happened when Milan got their second equaliser oh here we go again but then it's just almost like, keep plugging away, we know what to do, and then you got the winner right at the end. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, before, I mean, that's the biggest difference, because for the first 20 minutes of that derby in the second half, the first 20 minutes of the second half in the derby, Milan were completely dominating Inter, and Montella got his formation right and his tactics right, and Inter seemed completely unable to, to, um, to respond. But what happened there is, you know, again, they didn't panic. They kept fighting. Uh, Mauro Icardi, out of nothing, created the goal for 2-1. When he steals the ball from Bilia in his own half, runs up the pitch, passes it out to Perisic, and then uh, Bonucci, God knows what Bonucci was doing. I think he was Inter's best player after Mauro Icardi, <laughs> if you ask me. Um, but, but uh, so, so, no, but the, the mentality has changed and he's begun to change it. Or I don't know if it's 100% changed, but it's definitely, it's starting to change at least. At the very minimum, it's starting to change. And that, that's something that Inter have had severe issues with since, you know, it started under Leonardo. Since forever. It's not even just recently. It's like, I've always <laughs> had this problem, Nima. Let's not be No, but the bush. like, no, no, but like, honest to God, if you look under Mourinho, 
those two years, and also under Mancini, those those five years, those three years, they 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 could they could do stupid, you know, they could have these brain hemorrhages and do stupid things, but they always pick themselves up. Mm. You had Ibrahimovic, who basically took the game by the scruff of the neck for three years, four years, mm. and and you had Mourinho. Uh, but under Mourinho, they started becoming much more stable, much more, you know. So, so that group of players, they had a completely different mentality. Then, then Leonardo came, and I mean that that infamous week when they lost three 0 in the derby and five two at home to, to Schalke. That was the beginning of this mental collapse, mm. uh, these mental blackouts that Inter used to have, uh, that used to send shockwaves through the team, and they could concede up to God knows how many goals because they're completely like deer in headlights, all of them. That is something that has been polluting the the dressing room, and that's something that they've changed now. Um, and Spalletti is the one who's changed it, and and that that is something I got to be honest. I I didn't think it would go this well. Now I think sure Inter, you could say, have been lucky with, especially against Roma. I mean, you don't hit the post what, three well, times. I, well, I yeah, mean. I was going to say that to you, and like in terms of how the season went, you actually started off really really well, like in terms of performances and obviously winning games. But then there was that a few games like Benevento and obviously the game against Bologna, and the Roma game where you you probably be right to say you struggled a little bit but you still got the points which is something i can't remember like maybe probably you're probably going back to Mourinho, whereas like, yeah. you may not play well but you get points and that's something which is the cliche goes as a mark of champions and all that rubbish but it's, <laughs> it's something that is almost alien to interest to um, be able to play badly and get the wins against big teams as well as small ones Absolutely. I think. I mean, I, my favorite Mourinho quote is, "I'd rather be a lucky coach than a good coach." Like he says, "I'd rather be a lucky coach and win than be a good coach and lose." Mm. And that's what it is. Inter Inter have had under Spalletti so far that luck they needed. I mean, especially against Roma. You know, they three posts. I mean, come on. <laughs> what are the odds on that happening? And 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 Roma played really well. And and but but Inter, you know, again. You gotta be. You gotta play with the cards you're dealt with, and Inter have so, slowly but surely built up a mentality, built up self confidence, built up faith in what they do, and they're really working as a unit now, um, and it's looking really good. Uh, I think you know, for me, the the most important game of the week, or the or the most important match uh, of the season, uh, and or and also the the most the, <laughs> the match that I've been dreading since I saw. Uh, the, the the fixture list is the upcoming one against Napoli away. Right, right. We'll, come, we'll come to that later. Anyway. I don't want to get there just yet. I want, I want, I want to, we'll, we'll kind of plaster into and splendor first before we get to that one. Um, but like, I want to keep going on what Spalletti's done because you, you kind of touched on it a little bit in terms of you said that the players kind of know what they're doing. They know what's expected of them. And obviously at the derby, this is again another one. I was I've, I've started I've got a little, into a little habit of looking at the uh, average positions after games. So this is something I like to do. This and uh, my favourite one was the first game of the season. Kievo's average positions was literally like a formation how you would see it on Football Manager. It was it was perfect. It was amazing. And then I was looking at Inter's one after the derby, and you could clearly see what what Spalletti was wanting the players to do. You had your wing backs pushing forward you had your wingers on either side you've got Icardi up front and you had a Borja Valero just behind you I was I was almost you could see exactly what the game plan was and then you looked at Milan's and Milan had their five at the back and you had one side that was lopsided and then when you got to the attacking players they were all over the shop and that kind of 
showed to me exactly what, how the derby went. Milan, when they, when they went forward, apart from, like you say, that 20-minute spell, they, were, they had no idea what to do. There was no, they had no clue. It was almost they had no plan. They're like, right, we'll get up here, oh, crap. What do we do now? Whereas Inter, they've got, clearly got, you've got Perisic, you've got Candreva, you've got Borja Valero, and then you've got Icardi there to finish everything off. And that's, that's pretty much how the game went. Yeah, I would say so. But I, I, I mean, I, um, I was very critical. Uh, I think I was the only one and I was pretty much laughed at. I was very critical of the Bonucci transfer to Milan because I thought that this was a bad deal for both Milan and for Juve. Uh, because I've never, look, the, I, Bonucci is a great centre-back. There's no doubt about that. But he has deficiencies. He's always reminded me He's always reminded me of an Italian version of Lucio. Remember when he used to go gallivanting up the pitch? That's what Bonucci does. And his strength is this kind of almost, to speak, NFL speak. He's like a quarterback. Mm. He sits there with the ball and picks out passes. Mm. His positioning and his defensive attributes have never really been that good. He's always been at his best when... And if you look at Juve, where he's really... You know, developed and turned out to be one of the best central defenders in the world. He had a Barzagli and a Chiellini who used to, when what? he used to go on his runs, they used to clean up behind him the yeah. same way that Samuel used to clean and Kivu used to clean up behind Lucio. You got to have that balance. Mm. And the problem is that when Bonucci comes to um, to Milan, they've bought him to be the Barzagli <laughs> or the Samuel, and he's not. He's yeah. just not. He's got Musacchio and Romagnoli around him and mm. Zapata and. Well, <laughs> you well, know. That, well, that, that was the reason Conte started with the back three with him in the first place. Because when he was in it, when it, when he was in a back two, when he started, he was terrible. And even when he does play in a back, in a, in a pairing in a back four, I think he's a liability. If I'm being perfectly honest, and I've always thought that because I agree with you. I think when you look at a tactically astute defender, you're you're right in what you said. Barzani Chiellini are ahead of Bonucci as far as I'm concerned but when you look at maybe a ball playing defender Bonucci's better than the two of them so there, there is that or was that balance and now some would say he's been found out a little bit definitely and then, and I think the, but the thing is in my opinion those deficiencies have always been there mm. it's just they've never been talked about because Conte what's so brilliant about Conte or, or all world class managers such as Mourinho and Conte in, in particular they build systems when they ha- they know their weaknesses, mm-hmm. and they build yeah. systems to so that the players complement each other's weaknesses, so that you own so that they only ideally go out there and display their strengths strengths, exactly. and that's what Conte did with with you under Juventus with with Bonucci, especially Bonucci and Listeiner as well, who was you know he's not you know he he's a good player of course, but he's not the best fullback or has like he was not exactly you know no one tearing could, up I, up and down the right yeah. wing. <laughs> For Lazio, he really wasn't. You know, he was good, but he wasn't exactly Dani Alves. And then you look at the development he had in, at the at Juventus, and it's like, wow. And why mm. is that? Well, I mean, it's the same thing with Italy in the Euros with Antonio Conte. Look at that team. It's not really that strong on paper. It's quite mediocre, to be honest. And but what, what did he get out of them? He, they completely destroyed Spain. They were unlucky to lose to to, 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 Germany. to Germany on penalties yeah. in the quarterfinals. So I mean, that's the difference between a fantastic coach and a world-class coach and, yeah. a, and a decent, mediocre coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, Berucci, Berucci ran out of the way. Let's say, uh, like, what about Mauro Icardi? He's the man, right? He is. Uh, Eight games started, nine goals, shot conversion rate is 45%. <laughs> like, <laughs> Four shots on goal in the derby, three goals. 
five touches in the penalty area, three goals. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? <laughs> it's absurd. It's it's absurd. It's it's ridiculous. He he's he, you know he he's a phenomenon, and he's all you know. Finally, he's blooming uh, into the superstar he, he can be. He can become and. He's so mentally strong. It just doesn't phase him. The kurva, 20,000 criminals shouting at him, <laughs> telling him they want him to kill him, and his mother, and his wife, and his children. It doesn't phase him. He doesn't care. It's, it's like he, he just dusts himself off and gets on with it. <laughs> it's just, the, his mental strength is really, really his strongest attribute, if you ask me. And uh, together with his, with his finishing and his ability, but his mental strength is really out of this world. It's it's like it's almost like he's too stupid to be nervous. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like he doesn't no, realize these people actually no, kill him, exactly. and he's like, yeah, yeah, well, that, exactly. that's a funny joke. And then when they turn up at his door with knives and baseball bats, he's like, oh, what's going on here? Well, so, they did, and he still didn't care. Like that's what I mean. Like it's it just doesn't bother him. But I, I don't know. It's like you know that joke about you know when Totti gave out this charity book for charity, you know, joking about how stupid he was himself. And I think one of the jokes in that book was. That Totti's too stu- he's too stupid to feel nervousness because he doesn't realize. Really no, but I don't know. You know, that's a joke and all that. But Icardi, he, his finishing and his he's 24 years old. He's the youngest captain in the Serie A and and right now. And he's not any captain. He's the captain of Inter, one of the three biggest clubs in Italy, and he's also a foreigner. That's you know that's unheard of. But he's Argentine though, so that kind of makes it all right. It, yeah, it's have, have a Argentine history if you want. Absolutely, but I mean that like in Italy to become a, as a foreigner to become mm-hmm. a captain is is quite a, a remarkable feat, and to do that at 24 and to do it at one of the biggest clubs, three striped clubs, yeah. the Milan, Juve, Inter is is fantastic, uh, and and he he, he just he, he's taking it on. With with like this sense of responsibility now under Spalletti, uh, and he's starting to do things that he's always been criticised for not doing, which Mancini was completely unable to get him to do, which Mazzari was completely unable to get him to do, but Spalletti seems to get the best out of him, and long may it continue. <laughs> well, 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 looking at kind of the season then so far, I mean, who's been apart from Icardi, who's kind of been your standout for Inter so far? Milan Skriniar, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I, I was walking, I looking was at the under. That. Yeah, of course. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, I, I watched the under twenty-one European Championships this summer, and I thought he was all right. It mm. wasn't. It wasn't anything sensational. But then he came to Inter, and the season started, and he's been fantastic. Uh, his only, the only weakness he's got is that his his acceleration is pretty low. Mm. He's not. He's not very. He's fast and pacey, but he's not. His his He's like a. He's he's like an old car. It takes a bit for the engine to get warmed up, but um, but when it gets warmed up, he's there and he's got presence. He's mean. He's a mean bastard. Like, did you see in the derby when he completely a fair challenge, but he just completely ran over. Uh, I can't remember who who it was, but he ran a Milan player over like a ton of bricks, like a double decker bus. He just ran over him. And that's the kind of meanness that Inter have been lacking in defense since Materazzi in Cordoba. Mm-hmm. That teams have come to come up against Inter and felt they can uh, like get they, about them. They can bully they them a can, little bit. They can bully them, and you don't bully Milan Skriniar. <laughs> he does not allow you to bully him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that, that's may you know his his de- his development. I mean, the I I gotta be honest. I mean, I I thought I was a bit surprised when they when they went in for such a big deal for him and gave away Caprari, mm-hmm. who who I'm a, and and lots of cash to, to get him. And I thought, well, okay, what's the, what's the deal here? But gotta hand it to Auxilio and Sabatini. They knew exactly what they were doing. This guy is phenomenal. It is, and and, and, and the, the craziest thing is, you're you're winning games with Yuto Nagatomo in defence, which is what the hell is going on? <laughs> well, we're, we're, I, I, I would say, I would say, I would don't, say don't try tell me he's this... all right. Don't go, yeah, he's all right. No, Nagatomo's no, um, he's absolute crap. Um, <laughs> we're winning my games despite Yuto Nagatomo on the pitch. The two-two goal, you know, Borini is looks like Maicon and Dani Alves were faced with. <laughs> With with Nagatomo, what you know that cross should never have gone through mm. uh, for the second goal and for the first goal. If you look at it, Gagliardini and Perisic, you know, Gal, you know, Gagliardini is in front of the into his defence. Uh, Perisic is to the left, and you have uh, what's his name? Um, you have uh, Nagatomo to the left of him. Now, if you had a left back, if Perisic and Gagliardini felt that they had a left back they could trust, then they would not that misunderstanding that occurred would not have happened because what happened is that you see that Perisic is stretching out his arm, indicating that he needs help to mm. cover Suso, who's got the ball. Gagliardini follows, um, thinking, "Okay, I'm going to cover this way." Then, then all of a sudden, Suso turns around, and then Perisic lets him go. And Gagliardini was like, "Well, I thought we were we were switching position. What's going on?" Mm. That that misunderstanding is is you know that the roots of that is insecurity, and that insecurity is spelled Yuto Nagatomo. And <laughs> and that you know, Inter, you know, it's only it's early days. We're only eight days in. But Inter spent 20 million euros this summer to bring in Dalbert from... That's what from I was going to ask you. Do you think he's you just going to ease him in slowly then? Or do you think that there's I going to be so. issues? I hope so. I really hope that that is the issue. I really hope that that is the case. Because once again, Inter would have spent half a fortune on a player that simply doesn't cut it at Inter in one of the most important positions in modern football, mm. the fullback position. Um, but having said that, I've been very critical of D'Ambrosio before, but I've got to be honest and give credit where credit is due. He's been since really, really good this season. Mm-hmm. He, he still, he's, min, he minim, he's minimized his mistakes. He's raised his lowest level. Now his highest level is he's always it's always been he has a roof like a limit which he can't exceed that because he just doesn't have that quality mm-hmm. but he's he's raised his lowest level and that and also together with a passion and fire for for the shirt that you know he plays he, he's the only player on the team that plays like a fan would if they played mm-hmm. you know he burns for the he bleeds for the club and that that that's contagious and and before you know, his passion was only, you know, was kind of mitigated by his incompetence. But now he's kind of, <laughs> he's removed the incompetence and is, is actually performing on a really stable, you know, level. And credit where credit is due. I think he's, he's been really good. And I think, again, Spalletti is, is really to, to, is a huge, huge part of that. Definitely, right. So let's get on to the weekend. I don't want to spend too long on this because people have probably listened to this after the fact. But... It's one first versus second. The two unbeaten teams in Serie A this season, Napoli, who've won every game. Inter obviously had that one blip against Bologna. What do you think? Do you think, do you think this, is, this is going to be the, the, the game where Inter get beat? That, that Napoli are too strong? Or do you think we're going to see another Roma kind of smash and grab in Naples? 
Uh, this is the match I've been dreading since I saw the fixture list, as I said earlier, and there's a reason for that. The, uh, in my opinion, Maurizio Sarri's Napoli is, plays the, the most attractive football in Europe, bar none. Um, he's built up a team that the way they move, that midfield, I'm in love with that Napoli midfield of Jorginho, Alam and, and Hamsik. I absolutely love that midfield. And then you have the wingers with Insigne, Callejon and uh, Mertens who all move around. And then you have the fullbacks. I mean, the ball, when they play, when they start playing football, it goes so fast. And they, their movement is so good and their passing is so good. It looks like the ball is on a string between them. Mm. Like, it's just... And, and Inter struggle against teams uh, that play that fast. And they, you cannot afford to make a mistake like Inter did against Milan twice in that game when, when Milan scored both of those goals. You, you can't afford to do that. If Inter want to get a draw or any result away against Napoli, they have to give a perfect performance. And I don't... You know... <laughs> With Nagatomo on the pitch, he's going to make at least one or two. You know, let's be honest. But it, it, the most important thing is is that we were recovering João Mario from his tonsillitis so that he, at least he's an option off the bench because uh, that, that's what's something that worried me. There are holes in Inter that you can hurt Inter with, and it's in midfield. When Gagliardini and Borja Valero are tired, then there's no one, there's no alternative. And, and Spalletti couldn't do anything because there was nothing, there was no one on the bench to bring on because Brozovic was injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juan Mari wasn't even on the bench because he had tonsillitis. So there, there weren't any options and they just had to ride it through. And they managed to do it against Milan. All credit to them. But Napoli away at the San Paolo. It's a different, that's a different, <laughs> that, is, that is something else. That is different. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's a different ball game. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So um, no, but I mean, if Inter, let me put it to you this way: if Inter get away with the result, if Inter, if Inter win away against Napoli at San Paolo, then I, then I think Inter can't hide away from it anymore. I think they need to get, they need to start getting used to the fact that they are the front runners to the Scudetto. They are one of the favorites for the Scudetto because if you beat Roma and Napoli away, if you beat Fiorentina and Milan, if you beat every single team you've played some poor teams but you've also played some really good teams and if you keep beating them you you can't hide from the fact that you're one of the best teams in the league and then you know you've got to adapt to it and that's you know again that's that, that's where Spalletti's job becomes so important mm-hmm. to get these players you know he's already as we said as I said alluded to earlier changing their mentality this is Inter Inter is a club that should be fighting for titles yeah. we haven't been for almost a decade but Inter need to you know if they beat Napoli then they then they have to get comfortable in that having that pressure on them, mm-hmm. uh, and and that that Spalletti's job becomes so important in in handling that and creating a good and positive atmosphere around the club uh, when doing that. So um, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a very very uh, it's it's a very interesting game. There's a lot of questions that need to be answered mm-hmm. uh, for for both teams. I mean, Insigne, I don't know, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Uh, Husay looked like he was—he <laughs> looked like he was dying yesterday against Man City. Uh, God knows, you know, I, I, it was like Terry Butcher. Well, then that, that's maybe one positive. Then, if you play Nagatomo, they'll have to play Christian Maggio. So it's just got to be like one side of the pitch is like nobody's passing to that side. We're just got to forget about that side of the pitch. We'll do everything Maggio on the... versus Nagatomo. Jesus Christ! Imagine that in the battles. One <laughs> matchups: Maggio versus Nagatomo. Best two fullbacks in Syria. Oh dear Lord! No, 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 no. I, if, if Maggio plays, then then you know, fine. Then then I then we don't have to worry about that side. Um, but. Um, 
but yeah, no, th- this is really interesting. I'm really keen to see Spalletti's midfield, how he will feel that midfield. Um, because, uh, you know, and how will Sarri play? Will he play Diavara? Will he, who will he feel? Zielinski? Like, who will he bring on to, to, and what kind of a game plan will he have? And how will Spalletti counter that? Because Gagliardini, without a shadow of a doubt, has to play. You know, I, I, we see, I completely understand now why Spalletti in the beginning of the season was so almost desperate for Gagliardini to get fit. Because mm-hmm. when Gagliardini is not on the pitch, there is a hole just in front of Inter's, midfield, Inter's central defence, which he always covers. He's always there. And he's so, 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 so safe with, with the ball. And he always wins the ball. He's always there. Gagliardini will definitely play. Borja Valero is the regista. He also has to play. Now, who do you play you instead? Play Vecino? Are you play Vecino? Are you not a big fan? I like Vecino. I, I love the fact that he doesn't see... He's like the Energizer Bunny. He never gets tired. He just goes on and on and on and on. And that's good. We need we need a player that is that that has that tenacity in him. Mm-hmm. I, what I think is interesting is that the more... You know, these past few matches, I think we've seen that Candreva has become more and more cutting much, much more in and becoming, you know, more during games, becoming much more central to his early days as a trequartista again, a little bit. Um, I think that if if João Mario plays, I would play João Mario and Antonio Candreva and have them swap positions between them. Mm. Because I think I would love to see Candreva in the middle of the pitch. Because I think his, when he, his first of all, his shooting is fantastic. Um, he can he can hurt teams when playing when when in there and and if he can sort the the crosses out, uh, then you know Inter have a uh, have a real 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 wep- dangerous weapon on their hands. However, João Mario, you know when you have tonsillitis, you have you, you know you can't train. He's got he's eating antibiotics, so you know he'll probably resume training on th- tomorrow, and then the game is on Saturday, so he won't start. So I think it will be Vecino, Borja Valero, and Gagliardini. So I think Spalletti's hands are a bit tight, but in an ideal world, I would have loved to see Nicolò Mario play in the right wing and Candreva as a trequartista and have them swap positions because we saw João Mario against Benevento on the right wing and he did really, really well. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, we'll, it's it's going to be such an interesting game. Right. Exactly, that is certainly true. It will be. Um, right, before we let you go, Nima, just one thing I obviously want to get your, your thoughts on um, because you are Swedish, of course, and Italy drew Sweden in the uh, European, not the European, the European section of the World Cup playoff thing. And you think that Sweden are going to win. And yes, Italy are I going do. to be knocked out. Why? I do. Tell I the do. people why. Because everybody, <laughs> obviously everybody expected Italy to go there. But why do you think the opposite? Because a number of things. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's the perfect storm, uh, in the sense. Uh, because you have a Buffon that, that has not been convincing so far at Juventus. You have a you have a you have a foundation of this national team that's built on Juventus defense. You have a Bonucci who is whose self confidence and is below zero. Barzali is thirty six. He's barely you know he's over the hill. He's not playing. He's unfortunately he's one of my favorite players, but he's over the hill. You have Chiellini. You know with Chiellini you know what you're gonna get. Rugani. Mm. You know their defense is shaky, and then they have Jamper. You know Jampiero Ventura who. Uh, I don't want to use too much hyperbole, but I'm almost forced to say that Italy under him has been schizophrenic. It's it's, it's so confusing. Their, their defense. He's he's never been known for his defensive, uh, you know, for his tactical knowledge in defending. He's a, he's an attacking coach, but you know he likes to play attacking football. But Italy's defense and Italy's midfield 
under Ventura is schizophrenic, confused, and all over the place. And so this Sweden is very, very, very organized, very, very tactically drilled, very careful, very disciplined. They will, they will, they won't concede any space to Italy. Uh, I, I don't expect Italy to to go gung ho at, at Friends Arena in Stockholm, but I do expect Italy to because that's how um, that's how Ventura plays. Um, he wants to go for it, and if, if he plays four two four, Sweden will counter attack and, and win. I I, I, I think he will finish two nil to Sweden at the Friends Arena and nil nil in San Siro. Uh, that's that's my uh, that's my that's my guess. I think everybody's hoping do not please don't play four two four. Just anything <laughs> anything apart from four two four, please. I mean, but but he seems completely unable to. To, to change it around I mean against well, I think he tried it against them was it Albania or Macedonia I think he, no it was Albania or Macedonia he tried to change it once and then was like no nah, no nah, we're going to go back to 424 it's like come on man it looked horrible yeah it's terrible and, and then his, his his stubbornness to not use Jorginho who again he's, I'm, I'm a fan so but Jorginho is one of the safest passers in European football in the midfield technical and, reasons Nima technical reasons oh yeah Celta technical <laughs> technical yeah, that famous Italian phrase, <laughs> Scelta Tecnica. No, I, 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 I think it's stupid. I don't think Italy can afford. I mean, uh, my, my favorite Italy midfield is, I mean, with this team, the way it looks, I would play a 3-5-2, and my, my midfield would be uh, Jorginho Verratti and De Rossi. You know, I think those are the players that should good. play together. Yeah. You know, that's, that, that's the midfield you should be playing. And then I would, you reunite the BBC in the back, and then Buffon, and then, you know, use the, you know, have you have your full backs, and, you know, Chiro Immobile up front. That that is a good team. Uh, I'm I'm not a big fan of playing three five two or a three man defense. But if when you've got you know you got. But if that's what works a, with the players you've got, then that's yeah, what I believe you, know, you should. <laughs> Absolutely, and and I think you got to get the best out of the squad that you got, and I think that squad is built around that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but I don't think he will. He will play in a back four, and then Bonucci in a back four with a Buffon that's getting a little bit older. Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> nah. The, the, this, this. I mean, of all the teams that Italy could have drawn, I, Sweden is the team that suits them the least. Uh, and I think that Sweden will hurt them because everyone is. You know, people say, "Oh, but it's this past Ibrahim, this is post Ibrahimovic." But yeah, that's true. But the thing is that since Slatan has left, since Ibrahimovic has left, they they are now much more of a compact team than they've ever been before. You know, the the problem was that. When the previous coach Eric Amriam, he just built wanted Slatan to do everything. It's it's as if they forgot that football was a that was it was a was a team sport. You know they couldn't defend as a team, they couldn't attack as a team. It was just basically give the ball to Ibrahim, hope he makes something happen. And and of course, well, to be fair, that's, that's not a bad tactic when you have got well, Ibrahim. To be fair, that's quite. <laughs> if I was the coach of a team and I had Zlatan, I'd be like, just give it to Zlatan, he'll do so, and he's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I mean, this, the thing is that I I actually think that you know I don't I don't see a contradictory position between the two. I yeah, play as a team, but let your brilliant players give them enough creative freedom to do something amazing as well. And I and I think that if Sweden were to go to the World Cup and Ibrahimovic were to be were to be you know his health issues with his knee. If he were to have a good uh, spring season with with uh, Manchester United, there is no doubt in my mind that he will be playing for Sweden and Russia uh, in 2018. Absolutely, because this team is perfect. Yeah, it's a very solid defensive base, and then him as the kind of icing on the cake. Are you, are you kidding me? Sweden could go far. Like well, 
There we go, everybody. <laughs> Nima put as the case forward for Sweden going to the World Cup. Obviously, I myself hope that does not happen as much as I would love to see Zlatan at World Cup. I have to, my colours are very much nailed onto the mask. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I've got to be honest with you. Like, I mean, like, I, I don't, like, it's not because I'm from Sweden or I live in Sweden that I, that I think that. It's really not like that. I mean, I, I've i looked at this and, and if you, you well, know, this, you, you've this seen is Sweden new... more than I have, so I can't really <laughs> comment. So. Yeah, but it's like, like, and also, Sweden is, I mean, look at the players they have. Emil Kraft, Filip Helander playing Bologna. Andreas Granqvist, the current team captain, is played at Genoa. Albin Ekdal has played for Siena, Juventus, uh, Cagliari. The, you know, there is Serie A experience. Playing at the San Siro doesn't daunt these guys. Um, it, it's not a big thing for them. They, they've done it under, for several seasons. And, and, and also, you have Victor Lindelöf for Manchester United. You have, you know, this is, you know, a, a bunch of these players, are, you know, the, the, the foundation of these players are the, are the players that won the 2015 Under-21 European Championships. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a young, it's an exciting uh, team. Uh, it's, it's a hungry team, very hungry. They're hungry for success and they want to prove themselves that, you know, this kind of thing that Ibra, that Sweden was only Ibra, that, that created this kind of, you know, fire within them to, dis- to disprove everyone. So they're, they're good and they're young and they're hungry. And I think that Italy, if, if Italy show up to this game playing 4-2-4 and, and think that they're going to, you know, easily roll Sweden off the pitch, then they're going to have problems because Sweden will shrink space in the middle of the pitch. They will, they will, they will tactically tight everything down, win the ball, and then counter attack. Well, let's hope it doesn't happen, right, Nima? <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that our time is up, unfortunately. I'm sure we could talk about it, Inter and Serie A, Italy and Sweden for forever, for, forever, forever. Ever. But I'm afraid we have to we we'll have to stop it there. Um, obviously, a pleasure having you back on, and I'm sure we'll have you back on uh, at some point through the season when Inter, I'm sure you'll hope, are, are still flying high in Serie A. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, I yeah. hope so, and this pleasure was all mine. Perfect. Well, there you go, everybody. Um, obviously, you can get Nima. Nima, where can everybody find you on the Twitter? Tell them where. On the Twitter. <laughs> on the Twitter. At, on the Twitter. Uh, at Nima Tav R-O-O-D. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I, if, I may, if I may shamelessly plug, plug my own away, piece. Plug I, away. I, uh, I did an exclusive interview with former Swedish international and Bologna striker Kenneth Anderson uh, today on CalciumMercato.com. So check that out, everybody. And also SempreInter.com for all your internews. Exactly, there you go. Plug, plug, plug. Um, right, so now <laughs> my time to shill as well. So keep listening, people. This is like a five minutes of shilling. Uh, remember, follow Forza Time Football <laughs> at Serie A FFC. Go on the website as well. There are wonderful things from all, all around Italy and lovely videos as well. You get to see my face, which is uh, obviously what, what you all want and dream of every single day. Um, and then go to shop, buy an Italy mug, since we had a little talk about Italy. You've got one of Cannavaro and Baggio, so that's kind of... Um, time when times were good so I can, I can remind you every time you drink your tea or your coffee you can just get a wee reminder of how good things used to be and instead <laughs> we, we, we might bring out a special Eder mug if, uh, for, for people who knows but that, that, that might come when if it gets to the World Cup and does something amazing who knows um, so yeah that's pretty much it that is all the shilling done uh, and until the next of discusses there is nothing left for me to say other than Arrivederci <laughs> Yeah.
are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.